Witchcraft and the occult in general have always provided fascination for people and have a global appeal. Each culture has its own variation, uh, sometimes overlapping and often with a shared practice, rituals and beliefs. In today's topic, we'll examine the history of witchcraft in the British Isles. Uh, there will be some recognizable traits from other aspects of witchcraft, especially in Europe and North America, but we'll be specifically focusing on what we know about witchcraft in Britain, uh, the events and the people involved during this time. In this section, we'll discuss those events, we'll discuss the people involved, the political and spiritual environment of the time, and finally, we'll have a look at dispelling some of the myths uh, that appeared during this era. Uh, before we begin, it's worth noting that the term witch has not always had the negative connotation or the specific image we have in modern times. In fact, one of the earliest written references to the term witch was in the early Greek sources, such as uh, Homer's Odyssey, in which a character, Circe, is referred to as a witch, and she uh, has the power to turn men into animals. Witchcraft and associated practices, uh, they date back as far as recorded histories go. Uh, there have been numerous names and designations for people who performed healing, spells, and charms. In medieval Britain, they were commonly referred to as the cunning folk and were seen as, at best, helpful and, at worst, benign. Uh, they were sometimes connected with uh, shamanic rituals, and that can possibly be attributed to the Druid order that were systematically wiped out by the Romans during their occupation, but prior to that had been prevalent in pre-Roman society, functioning as a type of mystic and oral historian. The cunning folk in medieval Britain often provided healing balms, uh, love potions, they would tell fortunes, and were employed to find uh, missing items. It was really only with the arrival of a more uh, scholastic approach to Christianity that these practices were seen as something unnatural and over time belonging to the devil from 1484 witches and their practices were declared to be heretical by pope innocent VIII in western europe but it wasn't really until 1563 that it was made a capital offense in britain uh, prior to this date rulers had tried to make witchcraft uh, a serious offense most notably under henry VIII but these had been repealed several times. However, for the next couple of hundred years, the finding and eradication of witchcraft and its practitioners uh, became commonplace in Britain. The belief in witchcraft encompassed all classes of people, from poor to rich, peasant to noble. As such, definitions of what was considered witchcraft and the practices associated uh, spread across the country um, through publications such as uh, Demonology by uh, King James of Scotland and by word of mouth and whispered gossip through the towns and villages. As such, uh, certain traits that defined a witch began to take shape. And although some of these were lacking clarity and seemed to uh, evolve based on the geographical location, uh, certain traits that most people agreed on at the time were as follows. 
Uh, it was agreed that most witches had a mark on their bodies. This could take the form of a mole, an extra nipple, a wart, or something that would specifically mark them out visually. Also agreed on were that most witches had a familiar. Uh, a familiar is something that can take the form of a small animal, sometimes a cat, but, but not always. Uh, the familiar itself is actually a servant of the witch, and they would then perform acts in return for food and shelter. They were perceived to be either a type of fairy or demon, depending on the type of magic the witch was alleged to perform. How the witch acquired the familiar is never really explained. Some accounts, uh, they just appear to the witch at certain times in their lives. And in other accounts, uh, they say that a pact is needed uh, to be made in return for the familiar's help. If you suspected someone of being a witch, uh, there are some protections that a person could employ to both reveal the witch and defend yourself against them. The most commonly used one is the witch's mark, which is a type of ancient border spell and is often shaped like a spiral. If you place this symbol on property, the witch or the familiar cannot enter the premises. Um, these can still be seen today in various places, such as a Bolsover Castle in Derbyshire. And these give us some indication of how commonly used this protection was. Along with belief in witchcraft came, of course, the advent of witch finders. The most infamous British witch finder was a former lawyer named Matthew Hopkins. And he gave himself the title Witchfinder General. And he's commonly believed to have tortured and killed around 300 people accused of witchcraft. Just as belief in witchcraft crossed class divides, so too did the people accused. Uh, amongst these, one of the earliest was the Duchess of Gloucester, Eleanor Cobbon, who in 1441 was accused of sorcery and forced to divorce her husband and re basically remain imprisoned uh, for the rest of her life and losing her wealth. This is undoubtedly politically motivated, but nonetheless, it serves as an example that no one of any status was immune from accusations or the persecutions. Other notables were the family of alleged witches, Joan, Margaret, and Philippa Flowers. Uh, these are known as the Belvoir witches, and they were accused of involvement in the deaths of the Earl of Belvoir's two sons. The mother, Joan, died on the way to the trial, and the daughters confessed under duress to being both witches and having familiars. Accusations against entire families were not uncommon, and the most pointed example of this was the trial of the Pendle witches. The Pendle witches were in fact three generations of the same family, and they were arrested and they were tried on a witchcraft charges. The majority of the family were killed as a result of being found guilty. Often evidence for witchcraft was found during or after the alleged witch was killed, with a famous example being of Margaret Reed, uh, an alleged witch who, while being publicly executed by burning, observers claim her heart leapt from her body and struck a nearby wall, 
leaving a mark that can really still be seen today. The politics of the time played a huge part in the witch trials, with an increase in witch trials corresponding to times when governing parties felt their power was waning or being challenged. Witch trials served two roles, uniting the people against a common enemy and reminding the people of the power of the rulers to protect and to punish. No doubt an increase in witchcraft beliefs also followed the monarchs of the time. Elizabeth I was an ardent believer in the existence of witchcraft, and during her time, more executions took place than any other monarch. Religion also contributed to this, although probably not as prevalent as you would think. The churches of various denominations condemn witchcraft, and in Britain during this time, uh, Catholic and Protestant beliefs were vying for power amongst immense religious upheaval. Uh, no doubt this affected the witch hunts, but unlike what is often portrayed in media and across the, uh, the, the, the sea, the more sinister Inquisition, the Catholic Church was not responsible for witch trials in England, due mainly to a Protestant majority in the country. So in actuality, most of the trials were carried out by the Protestant Church. The Catholic Church and the Inquisition did condemn witchcraft around Europe, but were really more concerned with heretics, and they considered witchcraft to be a superstition not really worthy of their time. The witch trials often followed a similar process. A complaint would be made to the local justice of the peace. Uh, this is an official granted the authority to keep the peace and affect the laws of the land. The justice of the peace would then gain further evidence in the form of statements from witnesses and depositions, and depending on the strength of the evidence and the zeal for witchcraft that the justice had, they would then detain the accused. Accusations could take the form of bewitching people, children, animals, and poisoning foods. The accused witch would then be interrogated and usually tortured through devices like heated leg irons and thumb screws. The accused witch would then confess or not and the entire trial would be put to a jury of local people. Witnesses would tell their story, and the accused would have a chance to testify and confess. The accused did not have any defense counsel speak for them, so it's really up to them alone to sway the juries to their innocent. Once judgment was made, they would be either released if found innocent, or more often than not, killed if found guilty. Okay, uh, let's look at some of the more common myths that were circulating from this time. Uh, the first one we're going to look at is the uh, one of the most prevalent myths of witchcraft. And this is that the idea that the witch was a woman, uh, usually ugly in appearance, old and practicing trades such as herbalist and midwifery. To some degree, this myth is correct. Uh, most of the accused were women, but around 10% were also men. The idea that a witch can only be a woman was not shared by the people of the time. Male witches were a perfectly feasible concept. The idea of an old, gnarled, hag-type witch uh, actually comes from 
classical literature, and it's most likely a combined with the physical appearance of the Germanic mythical figure of Frau Holle or Old Mother Frost. Her manifestations vary across the region, but she's generally portrayed as hunched over and gnarled and having cohorts of women that can do her bidding. She's known as an ancient power in the region, and her powers go beyond anything mortals uh, can, can deal with. She would, uh, she would deal out punishments, especially to children, and later she has the ability to take the child away in the dock. Uh, midwives and herbalists being uh, accused is really uh, almost completely mythical. Women in these trades were almost never accused. And often uh, these women were asked by the justice of the peace to help identify physical aspects of witchcraft, such as marks on the accused bodies. Uh, the second myth we're going to look at is the myth that an enormous number of witch trials and executions took place across Europe and Britain, and really, this isn't sustained by the evidence at all. Uh, the numbers of witches on trials on trial is, is hard to be exact about, but approximately 2,000 trials took place in England alone, of which the vast majority were found innocent. Uh, Scotland has a much higher trial percentage, especially under James VI, who was a great believer in sorcery. But the numbers estimate between four to 6,000 trials took place in Scotland. In comparison, Wales had very few trials. Although many accusation, accusations were made, there was very little evidence for that. And actually, only around five people were executed for witchcraft uh, during this era in Wales. Uh, the third myth we're going to look at is that witches were being burned at the stake if found guilty. Again, this has very little evidence for being true. It did happen on occasion, but being burnt at all was an extremely rare punishment across English-speaking nations. Most witches, if found guilty, were hanged, and this was because the standard punishment for a felony crime was hanging. The concept of being burnt at the stake more than likely came from a combination of the Catholic Inquisition burning heretics across Europe and the fact that in Scotland, witches' bodies were burned after they were killed, usually by strangulation. Uh, the final myth we're going to look at here is that uh, lots of people um, agreed with um, accusations of witchcraft and lots of people were being rounded up and being accused of witchcraft and likely found guilty on just the statement of a few people with questionable motives. Um, in general, uh, this is not true. Actually, only around 25% of witch trials resulted in a guilty conviction. And these were usually because the accused had confessed under questioning. Um, it was incredibly difficult to provide evidence to support a claim of witchcraft. And most justices of the peace and the jurors themselves were very aware of the likelihood of accus accusations being made out of malice or greed. Uh, 